0: Welcome to Writer Spark, the podcast with tips and tricks about fiction writing. I'm Melissa Bourbon, and today we are talking about writing historical fiction with Heather Redmond. So grab a cup of something tasty, settle in, and ignite your Writer Spark. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today we are here with Heather Redmond, who is an amazing historical mystery writer as well as a contemporary mystery writer, correct? Yes. Okay. So today we're going to talk about the Dickens of a Crime series. Uh, a little bit. So if you want to start by telling us a little bit about you and then your series, and then we'll jump into the craft part of our conversation, which is going to be about writing historical mystery specifically.
1: Um, my name is Heather Redmond. I've also published under a couple other names, including Heather Heastant and i first published mystery back in 2004 and then i wrote romance for many years before returning by the end of my romance writing i was throwing dead bodies into my romances and they were set in victorian london so i had an opportunity to write historical mysteries when my editor at kensington moved to a mystery publisher and what i ended up with was uh, pitching a series with charles dickens the famous novelist As a sleuth um, back in the days when he was a reporter before he became a novelist. So uh, that was my first historical mystery series. And there are five books in the series now. The fifth one comes out in October. And next year, I'm actually starting a new Mary Shelley series. And both of those series are from Kensington.
0: So the Mary Shelley series, is she the sleuth then?
1: She is a co sleuth with her stepsister, um, Jane Claremont, who became Claire Claremont. Mm -hmm. And it's a dual POV. They were um, just. Hitched together through this whole period of their lives, so it'd be hard to write one woman's story without the others.
0: Yeah, interesting. I just reread Frankenstein kind of recently. So cool. Oh. My son gave yeah. me an like an illustrated version with footnotes and um, essays about her, and it was very cool. She was um, all right, nineteen when she published that book. I know it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so, all right, let's jump into some craft. So, first of all, what About historicals, do you love, like, what brought you into writing historicals in general, first of all?
1: Well, part of it was just the commercial thing of books set in the 19th century sold the best in romance, and I didn't want to write Regency. Ironically, now I am writing books set in 1814, but originally I wanted to do what was popular but a little bit different, and I love um, the progress of technology in the 19th century. I just find it such an interesting uh, century in British history. So I just keep returning to that. I've written a number of things set in the 1830s. Um, Charles Dickens was young in the 1830s. So that series starts uh, January 6th, 1835, and now I'm in spring of 1836. So slowly making my way through that period, looking at different societal ills, what was going on, all all those good, interesting things from the time period. That's very cool. So are you a history buff? Yes, definitely. And as I was writing this series, um, I took a DNA test and learned about my family history. I'm adopted, so I didn't know anything at all. So as I've done a lot of family research, that always keeps Um, coming back into my books. Though ironically, nobody in my family tree was in London um, in the 1830s or the Regency. I sort of have everyone gone by 1774 and then some come into London in the 1880s. So I'm writing in a period without family history, but it's very interesting
0: nonetheless. So your history, your interest in history, is it specific to England or is it other types of history that you're interested in as well?
1: Well, once again, it just gets into the commercial aspects. If you wanted to write a historical romance novel, you were much more likely to succeed if it was set in England. Um, there's always a smattering of other things, American historicals and such, but it it was much harder to come by. So I think um, any of us who were trying to write 20 years ago were going to naturally gravitate into the 19th century in England, just because we'd want to sell books. Um, I was trying to sell back before the rise of indie publishing, oh dear. Now we have learned (laughs) that um, anything goes, if you have a market, if you can identify your market and talk to your market, like we've seen a research in Western, uh, historical romances and so forth, but I go back to originally trying to sell books in 95, so. That was well before um, those opportunities presented themselves. The other piece is that um, steampunk um, is a subgenre that um, made a splash about 10 years ago. And I found it to be a lot of fun because I grew up reading my father's science fiction books. Mm -hmm. And steampunk has a science fiction edge to it. It's part historical and part futuristic inventions of the 19th century right it has that that
0: industrial technological yes um, right yeah
1: so i wrote three novellas um that were steampunk and a novel with my friend eilish flynn and that is what directly led me into this historical time period um just having fun with the 19th century in a different kind of way but discovering that it was a very niche market
0: Mm-hmm. Wanting to sell to a bigger publisher, so then I went to romance and then mystery. Okay, wow, that's really, really cool, really interesting. Um, all right, so what goes into writing an historical, and is it different writing an historical romance versus writing an historical mystery? So where do you start, and then where does how does it work for you?
1: I write right now real people. And so that is very different from what I used to do, which was make up people. Mm-hmm. So the first thing when you're writing historical is to ground yourself in the environment of the day. I was as, as back as the late nineties collecting books of historical costume and um, what I think what Charles Dickens aid and Jane Austen knew or something like that. That was a famous title from back then. And just kind of grabbing the general interest books, watching movies set in the time period. Um, you, you need to learn about the clothing and the attitudes and what women's lives were like, because the laws start one way in the 19th century and change as the century goes on. You need to learn about the professions. Um, does your main female character have a profession or whose thumb is she under in the era. And then if you're like me and you're really focusing in on historical people, you need to learn their lives as well as you possibly can. And what I love to do is go in at the becoming phase. So these famous people when they're young, there are gaps. We don't know everywhere they were every day. We don't know everyone they knew. We don't know why they made some of the decisions they did because this is before social media. So um, I'm learning everything I can, reading multiple biographies and then fitting in my story
0: around the blanks in their stories. Wow. It sounds like so much work.
1: (laughs) You have to love what you do or it becomes a slog, right? (laughs)
0: Yeah. So how did you come up with Charles Dickens as your character. Are you a Dickens fan? Have you read all of his work or what led you to him as your? Flute? I
1: started writing Dickens or reading Dickens when I was 10. I had a children's edition of um, David Copperfield. And then when I was 16, my father gave me Oliver Twist mm-hmm. and I graduated with an English degree, but an emphasis in creative writing. And I was a nerdy 20 something and decided that I needed to read all of austin and all of dickens and the great writers that i felt like because of my focus on creative writing i had missed so i was still for fun (laughs) dragging dickens around vacations and all that kind of thing and so he just came to mind i had an opportunity to pitch three different historical mystery amateur sleuth ideas Mm -hmm. so i pitched him i pitched a sherlock holmes type one And then I pitched, I think, something that was American historical, immediately doomed, of course. Mm -hmm. And the editor picked Dickens. And so that's what I did. It was partially commercial and partially because of all my reading. I um, also, as Heather Heaston, I had written a romance novel called The Princess Dilemma, which um, I indie published. And that has a Dickens reading hero in it. So I was reading along Pickwick and Oliver Twist as the hero during that book. And I was finishing that book, I think, probably just before I had the opportunity to pitch my first historical mystery. So I was pretty up on the idea of what Dickens was doing at that moment by coincidence.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like that was just the perfect choice for you. Mm -hmm. You're, You're a real Dickens what do you call it? Dickens, <laughs> Dickens, <Ficcinato. Dickin? laughs> there we go. Uh, okay. So what, if you were to give somebody who wanted to write an historical mystery, some guidance, what are some tips that you might give them on how to start, how to pick a character, whether to go with a real character versus a made up character. And as you did in your situation, you know, just how would you guide mm-hmm. them?
1: I would first ask them if they have more of an interest in the people or more of an interest in the justice aspects and the procedural aspects, because you have to decide what kind of mystery you want to write. Do you want to write a mystery around constables? Do you want to write it around um, bow street runners or um, coroners or magistrates or ordinary people? Uh, that That's a huge decision because that's going to bend your research in different ways. Um, If you're interested in writing historical mystery, you have to know about um, crime and order in that time period. So once you decide how deeply you want to read, you know, coroner's books of 1805 or whatever, that'll tell you a lot of what you need to know in terms of who you're going to write about. And then you need to decide if your people are going to be fully imaginary or are they going to be historical and how tightly you're going to stick to the history. So you have the journalistic questions, who, what, why, where, when. You need to answer all of those questions and probably try to write a paragraph or two about your story and see if that's of any interest to you. And then that will start to guide you. You need to research the place. Maybe it's a place your ancestors came from. Maybe it's the story of your second great grandmother. A lot of people write out of family history. It's a really interesting place to start. Um, You can take prompts from the novels of the period. Um, You just mentioned you read Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Um, You can go from Frankenstein into the science of the period, the crime of the period the behavior of young gentlemen in the period, religion of the period. You know, there's all kinds of information you can glean from those books. And if you're like me, you will suddenly find you have like all these books from 1797 on your bedside
0: table as you're
1: catching up on the literature of all those
0: years ago. Yeah, but, um, me honey, I need to do some light reading here.
1: <laughs> sometimes light, sometimes not so much. Even with Dickens, like the first couple, couple hundred pages are usually just gripping, even in 2022. But then you start to float off into places because they didn't write the same way then as they write now. <laughs> right, yeah. But the, you really need to figure out what your approach will be with crime and whether or not you want fictional people or historical period and where. Because without those things, you don't have a philosophical framework. You don't have clothes. You don't have what sort of people would be murdered and why.
0: Well, and just a general understanding of what life was like as a whole, not even pulling it apart into what was a woman's life like or you know how her crimes investigated, but just really even getting the whole picture.
1: Hmm. Yes, it's... You know, if you were born in like 1990, it'd be hard to comprehend not being able to solve a crime with GPS and a cell phone and <laughs> All right. uh, things were very different. And the expectations of privacy were very different. Um, you know, we're just stuck here on uh, 19th century England, but a man's home was his castle back then. The police were lower class. There were no police detectives until 1845. It's unimaginably different. My editor was horrified and and really hung up on the idea of they left bodies where they lay, if at all possible, until a coroner's court and a jury could come and look at the bodies. Really? She could not believe that was a thing, but it was. Um, They had a much closer relationship to death than we do in our era, Hmm. and You have to think through those things. Um, Also, they couldn't detect poisons uh, for the most part.
0: Um, Right. Their forensics wouldn't be (laughs) anything except what you can see, right? Right. So there's just a lot to learn or you're going to
1: make a ton of errors. And yet it is so much fun to try to solve a crime without the modern tools. Nobody can find
0: you on a cell phone. Right. <laughs> Nobody can track you on a camera. Um, you can't pull we, up GPS or a map app. Like right. Get um, around, right.
1: Lo- locally here, an author was just convicted of murder. Um, it's just a horrible situation. Oh, is that the one with the woman and her husband? hmm uh, oh, Yes. I okay. was in a writing organization with her years ago, and um, the crime would have been undetectable in the 19th century, um, Mm -hmm. things are very different if you write a historical mystery and it gives you a lot of freedom, but it
0: also changes what your detective, amateur, or professional are doing. So that leads me to the question going back to your sleuth. So you have Charles Dickens and you're going to have Mary Shelley. Would you, does that, um, box you in a little bit because you have to follow and do you follow their real life trajectory? So not only are you researching the era and, you know, life during that time period, but also the life of that, that real person, or do you take some liberties with that? And then would you recommend choosing a real person to somebody who really wanted to write an historical mystery or going with the fictional route of characters?
1: So, I started out a complete purist, writing the earlier books in the Dickens series into the holes of his life. My original stories could absolutely have happened. But as you write a mystery series, you usually have to raise the stakes. So I did hit a point in this book, The Pickwick Murders, where Charles was arrested for a murder. And in real life, Charles wasn't ever thrown into Newgate prison. So that's where I deviated. Also, um, I'm writing commercial fiction. I'm well aware of that. Um, he was a misogynist in some ways, mm-hmm. certainly not all. Um, and their opinions about things that are very normative now are, were not the same. Um, being um, LGBTQIA, I'm so sorry if I got that wrong. Um, I'm old, <laughs> but um, it was illegal to be a gay man. That was one of the few things that could get you hung in Charles's period. One way we can assume that he was pro-gay rights was because he wrote about two men who were hung for sodomy in a subtle way very early in his career during this time period. The fact that he even mentioned those men, meeting those men, highlighting that, makes Mm -hmm. me think he was truly horrified. And I do have one of his good friends in the series, a gay man who's you know, living that life and Charles is very worried about him. Mm. So um, with Mary Shelley, for all that we know about her and her running off with her sister and Percy Biss Shelley, a married man, five years older, we don't know exactly what was going on, particularly the motivations. Her father's diary exists. And so we know to some degree who is in and out of their house. And we certainly know how the girls came in contact with this older married man they ran away with, but we don't know why. Um, Mary took a box of letters and ephemera, her early writings. She'd only been published once by the time she was 16, but she'd written other things. Mm -hmm. She was the daughter of two novelists and um, she left, the box in Paris when they were on their little joy ride through post-Napoleonic. So I'm looking at the whys. And so, of course, I'm a mystery novelist. I decided that it was murder that pulled these people together. And so I'm fitting it in, in all of the holes. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to write a book like that, then you have to love research and recognize that if you're, pub- if you're trying to publish through a publisher, the publisher may or may not care. Like this is all me. And, and by this point, my audience kind of cares too, at least a mm-hmm. fair number of them. But you're going to be having that battle um, if you really want to go that way. I would always recommend putting real people in your books because it creates um, the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, If you meet Queen Victoria in your books, or any celebrity, that puts anyone who's been through high school history in that place and time, and it's a shortcut. But it is a lot of work to put a real historical person in the center. Having said that, it does give your series instant name recognition. I cannot tell you how many eyes have lit up in the last couple months as I've finally started admitting I'm writing a Mary Shelley book. Oh, wow. Because everybody knows Frankenstein. So, yeah. you know, that may translate to more commercial success. And if I'd just written Mary Jones, a 16 year old girl working in a bookshop. Do you have a title for the first Mary Shelley book? Um, I have a working title of Collected Works, but it's um, not up to me in the end. It may not be um, murderous enough for yeah. my publisher. Yeah. The the Dickens titles pretty much stuck because what I did in this one is I took his novels. He wrote mm-hmm. um, more than a dozen novels. So mm-hmm. like A Tale of Two Murders was originally A Tale of That's Two Cities. Crazy, yeah. The Pickwick Murders was the posthumous papers of the Pickwick Club. So that was obvious. But with Mary Shelley, she wrote five novels and only Frankenstein is really well known. Right. So what would I write? You know, Frankenbook. Frank yeah. And novel. Frank and dead. Frank and <laughs> <That's>, die. <yeah. laughs> it wouldn't
0: work so well, right? But you'll have a Mary Shelley mystery or something like that that'll be. An yeah, there.
1: I. That's what I put the Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley mysteries. But we will see. And I do get so into my nerddom. You know, <laughs> I forget that people don't know her parents were famous and she married a famous poet. You know,
0: I. I I'm very just stuck in that world. <laughs> Well, that's the perk of reading historicals, especially some by someone like you who takes the time and, and we know is presenting the story very authentically, is that we get to learn so much in the process.
1: Yes, I, I wrote or I read many, many romances as I was trying to sell and the ones where They just sort of shut up all the characters in a house in period dress and didn't engage. I tended to wall bang by the halfway point. Yeah, (laughs) I love engaging with the historical surroundings or why do all that work? I've given speeches where I've thought through that, you know, I started planning the series 10 years before I wrote it because I was just slowly gathering information for a decade to the point where I had enough to throw it away and focus on writing the story. And that's the other piece of advice I would give is to always remember that you are writing a good story. At a certain point, none of the history matters, none of the research matters, because you can't bore your audience. You can't dump pages and pages of information that they don't care about. You need to keep moving the story forward. So you do all that work of research because you love it, and your love of it elevates the story. It, it just adds some juice and fun to it, but really it's what's happening. You um, need to fall in love with the characters. You need to try to solve the mystery with the sleuths. Um, the reader needs to identify probably with the sleuth as they're going through. You need to care about um, the suspects and the murder. Um, I would advise that you don't make everyone hateful. You know, they're. You don't want to get reviews where they say, I didn't care because nobody mattered. Everybody was awful. Don't make
0: everybody awful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's all such great advice. Um, Can you share the titles of your Dickens series? They're just so great. So you shared the first two.
1: A Tale of Two Murders. Then the second one is Grave Expectations. And that's my homage to my um, London Jewish history. And then um, the next one is A Christmas Carol Murder, which has the most beautiful cover. Um, it's all gold and red, very Christmassy. And then the fourth one is The Pickwick Murders. Okay. And then the fifth one is A Twist of Murder. And I haven't had my hands on a physical copy
0: yet, but it's out just before Halloween. It's available for pre-order right now. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you so much for spending some time with me and talking about historical mysteries. I cannot wait to start your series. I'm so excited. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to give us? Any parting advice for anybody who's writing, who wants to write historical mysteries? The best uh, advice I'd ever been given was
1: finish the book. It is the most basic advice. And <laughs> yet, if you don't finish a book, you don't know what kind of story you have. You need to get to the end before... You know, people write uh, books in all different stages, developments, fast first drafts, perfect first drafts, first drafts that are really just 80 pages of notes, whatever it is. But until you finish that whole phase, you don't have anything uh, you can understand. You don't have anything you can sell. And it just has wasted your time unless you can get to a point where you can hit the
0: end on something and then figure out what it is. Yeah. And then go back and revise the, the old adage. You can't fix an empty page or blank yes. page. Right? Right. You have to have something written. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Stick around thank for Thank you a so much, Melissa. Bye everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Come back for more tips and tricks about fiction writing and learn more about our online courses at www.writersparkacademy.com. I'm Melissa Bourbon. Thank you for listening and until next time, happy writing.